This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out, and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Hey, everybody. It's Nick Layton. And I am Leah Bonima. And we got so many great questions from you guys in the wilderness. Oh. That we have a bonus episode. So here we go. Our first question... Wow. Mm-mm. So there is this wedding invitation that has been sort of floating around social media. Somebody sent it to us and uh, we'd like to share it with you. We have some thoughts. So it's a card that was in the invitation and it was some additional instructions to the guests. It reads, quote, dear friends and family, please understand that our venue is limited in the number of guests we will be able to accommodate for our wedding day. As much as we would love to have each and every one of you join us for our big day, we are forced to split our guests into groups to ensure we do not surpass our capacity restrictions. Group A, please RSVP as soon as possible. We appreciate your promptness as we will be able to extend any vacant seats to additional guests. Group B and C, Please keep a close watch on our wedding website for notice that we will have space available. If you already know that you're unable to join us, it is helpful that you decline via the RSVP function on our website. You are in Group A. Woo! So, we have uh, Group A, Group B, and Group C. Yeah. Can you imagine getting that email and being in Group C? (laughs) So, it is not unusual. (laughs) That was one of my favorite Nick laughs right there. Oh! It is not unusual to have lists of guests in different tiers. You know, there's definitely the people that you definitely want to invite. There is the list of people that, you know, you'll invite if there's room. What is unusual is telling your guests what group they're in. Yeah, that is. That is a problem. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I would just get that and be like, oh, my answer is no. I'm not coming. (laughs) And just to clarify why it's an etiquette crime. This is rude because you're telling people in groups B and C that they're garbage. Yeah. And telling people that they're garbage is rude. Yeah. yeah. That's rude. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. So how would you respond to this? How would you respond? If you were in group C. I would say, uh, oh, I can't come. So don't worry about trying to squeeze me in. Right. What's also particularly rude about this is that if you're in group B or C, you're asked to just keep an eye on their website. 
keep refreshing it like it's a restaurant reservation at a hot restaurant. Yeah, that's what I was like. Am I trying to get into a club? What's happening? <laughs> right. Yeah, they're not going to let you know that there's space. You just got to keep hitting refresh in your browser. Yeah, you got to do the work. No, thank right. you. So that's also rude. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could respond like, I have a lot of invitations for that weekend. You are wedding B. I'll let you know if I can make it. <laughs> I almost want to write back, wow, no thanks. Well, no, you can't say that. That's rude. That's a rude response. I said almost want to. I wouldn't. Oh, okay. I would just say, oh, you know, congratulations on your, you guys are perfect for each other. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would just send my regrets. And remember, you don't have to send a gift. So I wouldn't. Oh, definitely not. It's so mean. It's just so mean. It is mean spirited. And I get that we have capacity issues. Totally get that. It just, this is not the way you handle it. You just tell the first group of people, hey, can you let us know if you can't make it because we're, you know, it's a small, everybody understands that. Yeah. You stagger your mailings. Yeah. It's how we've been doing it for hundreds of years. Yes. Get the first batch out. See who responds. Then you go to the next list. Yeah. Yes. So hurtful. Uh. I'm hurt. For, my feelings are hurt. I'm not even a part of it. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't attend. Our next question is, quote. Can I just say before you read it that this question gave me acid reflux? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it definitely feels like uh, there's some issues here. Quote, my friends, Chad and Lisa, have only met a handful of times when we're all hanging out together. So it surprised me and Lisa when, out of nowhere, Chad asked Lisa to lend her a large sum of money. The messages started with general greetings, but as soon as the conversation took a turn towards money, Lisa completely ignored the messages. That is to say, ghosted. Initially, I thought it was rude for Lisa to ghost, but Lisa was appalled that Chad, who didn't even know Lisa, would have the audacity to ask for money. Thus, Chad was the one who was being rude. It does make sense after Lisa explained how ridiculous the situation was from Lisa's point of view. And honestly, I wouldn't even know what to say if I were Lisa. But I still think ghosting is the worst. How should Lisa have responded to this awkward situation? Is ghosting an exception in this case? I'll tell you why I got acid reflux in this. Yeah. I love our letter writers. I think they're conscientious people. I appreciate them listening. This letter writer, I feel like I wanted her to have Lisa's back mm. because Lisa is being put in a very inappropriate situation and is just trying to set up boundaries. Yes, that's true. I did ask for some additional information from our letter writer because when I got this, I was like, what is happening here? So here's some additional detail that will color the rest of her conversation. I asked, like, what is the money for? It's for car payments. And the request sounds like it was for more than $1,000. And the letter writer thinks that Chad asked Lisa for money since Lisa isn't in Chad's inner circle and it would be less embarrassing. And Chad knows that Lisa works in a, quote, higher earning field. So Chad thinks Lisa's got the cash. None of that makes this better. No. And I do feel like women through history have been asked to justify why something is awkward mm. and inappropriate. And I don't think that women should have to do that anymore. And Chad knows that he shouldn't be asking essentially strangers for money. Yes, I think we can all agree Chad's behavior was not correct. That's right. And I, I really, you know, I don't like ghosting. I think people should respond. But in this situation, I feel it's really inappropriate to just ask somebody you don't know 
through a friend for money. Yeah, no, totally. And she yeah. shouldn't have to be right back and be like, oh, no, I'm sorry. That seems. Yeah. I don't think that Lisa should have to do that. Maybe I'm wrong. You know what? I would probably write back because I am ridiculous. But reading this, I don't think that Leisha should have to write back. And I think that that's fine. In our previous deep dive, some episodes ago, when we talked about ghosting, one of the reasons when you're allowed to ghost is if a boundary has been crossed. So that is an occasion where you are allowed just to just not respond. So I guess a question would be, has a boundary been breached here? And yeah, I I think we can safely say that uh, this was a boundary that you shouldn't cross. I do think, though, you could say something, which would be along the lines of, I'm not in a position to lend money right now, sorry. And you could say that. If you felt like that was going to make things less awkward for the next time you see this person who is hypothetically tangentially related to your social circle. So there's a good chance you will run into chat again. So responding with just a, I can't, sorry, would make that next encounter in person maybe less awkward. So you could say that if you wanted. You could. My guess is that Lisa has, because this has happened to me where people have asked me to borrow money and I've said I'm not in a position to lend money right now. Mm -hmm. And then that was not enough. Oh, there's a follow-up to that? They came back with, oh, any amount will be. And so it's just inappropriate. I see. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if they don't take no for an answer, then yeah. Which happens. I mean, if somebody is willing to ask almost a stranger for money, Mm. I understand why this feels to me like it's a boundary and a person's allowed to bow out. Yeah. Yeah. I think ghosting is probably okay here. Yeah, that's true. And we've discussed before how it's never thinking that somebody's in a higher earning field doesn't mean that they should. That's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, borrowing money in general is always awkward, even with close friends or family, but from strangers? Come on. I'm going to reach out to my friend's friends because it's less awkward because I won't see them (laughs) as much. I mean, Chad's clever on some level. Clever is one word. Manipulative is another word. Okay. Yeah. You know, you say tomato. I mean, also, Chad could be in a really bad way and I could be not being compassionate enough, but I don't get the idea from this message that that's what that is. I don't get the sense that this was Chad's last option, right? Yeah, I don't either. I would feel differently about it if Chad was in, you know, these are hard times. People in hard are in hard places. And I think that people in those circumstances have to reach out. And But I didn't get that from this. Right. And interesting that Chad didn't ask the letter writer for money. Yeah. So that's noted. Which would be your friend. That would seem to be the person that you could actually reach out to. Right. Yeah. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So on your recommendation, Leah, I started watching Happy Valley. Yes. And now you see how the title is ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, so much is going on in this town. So much is going on. We We start at a 10. And then yeah. we keep going up. But I will say, the lead, she is so good. She's unbelievable. Why are they better actors over there? She is incredible. Yeah. And just, yeah, the way the storytelling is done and the way it's shot, like, oh, it it, it, it got me. It got me. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. so glad. I knew you would love it. I was like, this is great storytelling, great acting. Also, I sweat. I break a full sweat in that show. So you out there, check that out and check out all the stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for you to 
Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my books of the months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my books of the month, but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. (laughs) You know, love happens. And you out there, you're going (laughs) to love Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. So our next question it's also about inappropriate things. Oh, we're on a roll this week. This one also more, I took some more <laughs> Pepto. Quote, how do you recommend dealing with someone who you know professionally who leaves inappropriate comments on your Instagram posts? For example, I'm connected with someone in my industry who's at a more senior level than I am. He leaves comments insinuating that I'm drinking all the time, even if the post has nothing to do with alcohol. How do you recommend tackling this? Sometimes I laugh and comment back. Sometimes I delete his comment. And sometimes I delete the whole post altogether because I'd just rather not deal with it. He's an important connection professionally. So I need to handle this delicately. I would just like to say up top that I feel sad for us all who are stuck (laughs) in this position where we have to put up with these behaviors because somebody is in a position of authority or power. Yeah, the power dynamic thing does not thrill me about this question. It does not thrill me at all. It happens all the time. And I feel, I think, sad and angry about it. Because if we didn't have that power dynamic thing, our response would be very different. Yeah. And this poor person is like taking down entire posts. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, and I've had this problem too, and I struggle with it. I want to be a person who's just like, well, I don't care what their position is, but oftentimes you have to be like, Am I going to say something to this person and then ruin this entire possible bridge? So my first thought when I got this was that if you don't feel like your reputation is being damaged by this, then I think I would just ignore it and not engage it, but just leave it. Don't like it. Don't respond to it. Yeah, just pretend it's not happening and just, just ignore it. Leave it. Don't touch it. It's asbestos in the wall. It's just safer to leave it. So that was my first thought. I find that very unsatisfying, though, because that tacitly says to the person that what they're doing is okay, and it's not. But I don't think there's an option where we can say something to this person without rocking the boat. And that's what our letter writer is afraid of. Right. Because, I mean, otherwise, if this wasn't a power thing and you wanted to say something, then you would have a direct yet polite conversation with this person, which is like, I know you think it's funny, but I'm concerned what other people who don't know me as well might think. So maybe lay off the drinking comments. Like you could have that sort of polite conversation if this wasn't like somebody more senior than you. Also, sometimes I wonder, maybe we should just rock the boat. Yeah. Because what what is worth it working? Were you going to work with this person down the line and then they're going to continue to do this? Just kind of push a little bit too hard, be a little bit too inappropriate? Yeah. The more I think about it, I think there probably is a way to say something to this person privately in a direct but polite way that's non-judgmental that asks them to stop. 
I think there probably is a way to do that. One, I have somebody who always makes jokes about drinking stuff. I don't even drink, so I don't understand why they always do it. So one time I just wrote something like, ah, it's so funny that you always comment about drinking when these have nothing to do with drinking. You're crazy. You know, but then I did like a smiley face. Okay. Because I just don't get it. I'm like, why are you always bringing this up when it is not in any way relative to my life? Okay. So you can gauge that way. Although, would that stop it? I don't know. I don't know, but I just want to... You could at least get it out that you're you're noticing that you think it's weird. Okay. Although, I don't know if that's going to achieve our goals. No, I think you're right. It probably doesn't achieve our goals at all. <laughs> the other idea I had is, on Instagram at least, there is a way where you can make another account stop following you. So you could just have that account unfollow you so they stop seeing your content as easily. And maybe they'll be less likely to comment on it. You can also have it so you don't delete their comments, but only they see their comments. Oh, is that a thing you can do? Yeah. Oh, I like that option. But also, I still don't like the idea that this person is bothering our letter writer and they feel like they have to continue this relationship because of the power dynamic. Well, I'm sorry. Welcome to the world we live in, though. We're not going to solve society. I'm saying bothered by it because it happens so often. Yes. I mean, unfortunately, fixing that aspect of the world goes beyond the purview of this show. I know, but <laughs> so. unfortunately now with social media, it, it just comes in on all like you're posting pictures of your friends. And then somebody in a higher job position comes in and makes jokes about, you know, shots. You know, you're like, why do I have to deal with this right here? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we can have compassion uh, for our letter writer. I don't think that helped them. No, but I want them to know that I took three Pepto-Bismol for them. Yes. I don't like this scenario, but I think let's just break it down in terms of what they should do. So option one is they can have a polite yet direct conversation with this person. And basically just in some way indicate that you don't love these posts and it would be great if they didn't do it. And I think there is a polite way to do that. And I think if you didn't feel it was going to be catastrophic for your career trajectory, maybe do that. Another option is to do the hidden comment or the unfollow, use some Instagram technology to just sort of minimize the chances that other people will see their postings or that they'll be able to post it all. I think that's fine. No, but the other option that you had up top that I liked, which was just to completely ignore it. Or you just ignore it if it's not causing damage to your reputation. If it is causing damage to your reputation, though, I think you are free to do something about it. I don't think we have to accept that. I guarantee you, though, that this person is doing it to everybody. Yes, it's probably not personal. That's true. That's true. So our next question is, quote, My father recently passed away, and we asked for donations to a local charity in lieu of flowers. It has been six weeks since the funeral, and I'm ready to write thank you notes to the people who sent gifts to the charity. Unfortunately, I've asked the director of the charity several times for a list of the people who sent donations in memory of my father, and I've told her why I need them. She keeps saying that she'll get it to me by a certain day, but then that day passes and she doesn't send me the list. It's a tiny charity, so there's nobody else I can ask. Should I write notes to the people who I know donated and then post on social media a blanket thank you to the others who may have donated? If so, do I explain in the post that the charity hasn't given me a list of names of people to thank? I don't want to put the charity on blast, but I don't want my friends and family to think I'm rude or ungrateful. What do I do? This, I think, was the question that sealed, I finished the Pepto on this question. <laughs> okay, full I, bottle today. I would like to say up top, very sorry to our little writer for your father's passing. Oh, yes. And then secondly, I would like to say, I think you should absolutely feel free to say something to that charity. 
i.e. putting them on blast, you had donations given to them. You've given them money yeah, and raised awareness for them. Okay. And you lost your father and you've called and asked them. They just have to give you a list. And they're not doing that. Uh, and you're grieving. Uh, why can't you? Why can't she call them and be like, I need to write these letters. You've multiple times told me this. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me? What the holdup is. Okay. Ooh, it's getting hostile. Uh, I guess this makes me very sad and angry. No, I agree that this charity needs to cough up a list of names. Totally agree with you there. It's really not that hard. I've worked at a lot of nonprofits. They just need to go into their computer and click on a tab. Yeah, no, just get the file maker going and uh, print something out. Yes. But I do think that blasting them on social media, that's not nice. I don't think we need to go there yet. No, I think that you should talk to them first. Well, my suggestion here would be to subcontract. So I think let's get a friend and just tell that friend, friend, would you please handle this for me? And let the friend harass the charity until you get the list. I think as the grieving person here, I think let me just take myself out of the loop and not deal with it. So I will write letters to everybody I already know who actually gave donations. And I will ask my friend to pester the charity to cuff up the rest of the names. And then I'll write those letters when I can. I think luckily in this situation, there's not a hard deadline for when you have to get these letters out. There's a lot of slack available. So if the letters are a month, two months later, this is fine. Like, it's okay. So get the letters you can. And then have your friend, you know, drag the rest of the names out of the charity. And then I think that's how I would handle it. I think that's a perfect, perfect way to handle it. But if you want to be angry and you want to leave a nasty Facebook message and okay, I guess you could do it that way. I, I don't actually think I meant on blast, like posting it on social media, even though I know that what that's what that I mean, means. What is on blast? I just meant like I would say something to them. <laughs> that's not blast. I know it's not. I just wanted to say on blast. <laughs> Because yeah. I, I don't think I would ever write anything publicly, you know, especially since I don't think that she's come at them in any way directly yet. Yeah. I don't think you want to be like, oh, American Red Cross is the worst. Yeah. No, I don't think. I love your suggestion. I think bringing in a friend is perfect. I do think our letter writer could say to the nonprofit, though, I think you're within your rights to say, I'm upset about this. I think you could. I think it just you have a lot on your plate, I'm sure. And I think just having a friend handle it and play good cop, bad cop, I think would be good. Because at the end of the day, you want this charity to get these donations. Like this was important to your father or you or, or somebody. And so we want the charity to succeed. So we also probably want a nice relationship with the charity because maybe we want to support them in the future. It would be nice if they were more responsive, but maybe it sounds like they need more staff. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> so. they could be even appreciative or recognizing that she's grieving and helpful. Yes. And I would imagine that the charity probably hasn't sent their own thank you notes to these donors either. So those tax deduction letters are probably not going out promptly. I really love your idea of bringing in somebody to help and to write. And I think it was great. I just got a little worked up. Fair enough. Yeah. No, whenever there's sort of a, a death, you know, friends are always like, oh, you know, let me know if there's anything I can do. This is one of those things. So I would definitely hand this off. I think it's a great idea. So our next question is, quote, About a year ago, I was at a casual event at a local theater in Eugene, Oregon for a live book reading and a comedic performance. It was about 15 minutes from the end of the performance, and my semi-smart watch notified me that my sister was calling. It was the only notification I'd received the entire performance, and I had not used my phone since before the performance began. 
My sister doesn't call often, so I decided to text her back, keeping my phone shielded within my bag as much as I could. It was a very short, everything okay, type of message. An older man sitting in the audience behind me clapped his hand down rather forcefully onto my shoulder and directed me to put my phone away. Not asked, directed. I know I was in the wrong, and I knew so at the time, but the reaction from the audience member felt like it was too much. There was another audience member in front of me, a couple of rows down, that had been on her phone the entire performance, and he never asked an usher to address that. Her behavior doesn't excuse mine, but hers was far more disruptive. Even almost a year later, I still don't feel like his reaction was appropriate. A gentle tap on the shoulder and an ask would have been completely fine, and I probably would have forgotten all about it by now. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think we should never grab a stranger. Yes, I don't care for that. Yes, I think that's uh, not great. So I think this person has felt uh, a little roughed up. They had somebody grab their shoulder. Yeah, uh, I think that is not good. I mean, everybody could have done something differently here, I think. Yeah, I just want to say that because I think one of the reasons that that's staying in their memory is because they were grabbed. Grabbed by a stranger. Yeah, no, that'll stick with you. Yeah. That was wrong and that should not have happened. <laughs> that was wrong. That should have. I just feel like that's important to say. And I'm. Yeah, yeah. No, just in case that needs to be said because it does. So I think that if this was a true emergency or we thought there was an emergency happening, the more polite thing to do would have been to actually leave the theater. Because I think even though standing up and like walking, you know, through an aisle to get out of the theater is disruptive, that feels less disruptive to people around you than texting. For some reason, I think that's like more respectful just to leave the auditorium altogether and then take the phone call. I think the idea that we're going to be texting while the performance is happening, this is not good. We shouldn't do that. Yeah. And the fact that the person in two seats down was doing it is not. That is not material here. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Don't throw her under the bus. <laughs> no. And otherwise, I think it would have been best to just ignore the text from your sister until after the performance. I think unless it was a true emergency, like that can wait 15 minutes. So that's how I would have handled it. And in general, unless you are anticipating an emergency or there's a babysitter at home or you're like on call, I think it's just nice to power down all of your devices so that we don't have this temptation. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. If so, it's an emergency, just step outside and call. Yeah. So if you do think that something's wrong, this is unusual. Why are you calling? Why are you texting? Then... Yeah, absolutely. Just stand up and just leave and then handle it. And certainly, you know, if there's multiple calls, you know, when that's happening, multiple texts coming in, your phone's blowing up, then yeah, something is wrong. But aside from that, yeah, I think you would just wait. And he shouldn't have grabbed you. So let's just talk briefly about what you should do as that audience member. Instead of grabbing, what could we have done differently? What I imagine in my head happened, and I'm in no way excusing this behavior, but as I visualized this happening as you read it, that audience member was probably so irritated that the other person who had been texting the whole time, but they were too far away to reach. Mm. So then when the person directly in front of it, they were like, I can't take it anymore. I see. And then they just did something wildly overreactive and definitely inappropriate because we don't touch people. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do that. Yes. And I'm not excusing their behavior at all. I was just creating the whole story in my head. Now, I mean, how do you feel about like a tap on the shoulder? Would tap have been okay? I mean, I don't know why you just can't lean in and go, please don't text. Yeah, I think a, a lean into the ear, uh, into your personal space would probably have done the trick. Yes. I just like to follow a don't touch people rule. Yeah, no, I think that's a good rule. Yeah. Yeah, I think ta I don't even like tap. The more I think about it, I don't like tap. 
I would never tap. It would not occur to me. No, it seems very um, invasive, invasive and also sort of like patriarchal in this way. Well, I think our letter writer doesn't love it because it felt patronizing. It's definitely patronizing. <laughs> so, Well, I mean, a that's... grab is patronizing. A grab is being treated like a child. Right. And she was directed to put her phone away. Yeah. She wasn't asked. This person's right. out of line. Yeah. Yeah. So that that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. I think if you see someone texting I think a lean in, a whisper, and then the gesture with your hand, be like, oh, you put your phone down. Like, oh, would you put your phone down? That's how to handle it. And at home, you can't see me. I'm, I'm sort of like making a little, little paw and I'm like pretending. I'm, <laughs> yeah, he's pawing like, it down. I'm pawing gently. it at the air. Yeah. But I definitely, the man, you don't, A, don't grab people and B, you don't direct people who are not your toddlers on how to behave. <laughs> right. It's, so I see why That's this true. person is so upset about it. That's true. So our next question is, Quote, I was wondering if you have any advice for when you're talking to someone who is just a bad storyteller. I have a friend who I don't spend much time with anymore because when she talks, it's all about her. But she also tells stories in the most boring way possible with little tangents about inconsequential details. Is there a polite way to tell her to get to the point? (laughs) I just wrote underneath this. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, true, true. I, is there a polite way to tell somebody to speed it up? No. Have I been stuck with horrible storytellers? I don't even, some they take these tangents. I don't even know where we're going. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Absolutely, I have. Well, there's two things in this question, though. There's the, I'm a bad storyteller, but there's also the, I only talk about myself. Those are two very different things happening here. Right. I think you could address that part. You could, But that wasn't the question. Is there a play way to tell somebody how to get to the point? No. Can you be like, I'd like to talk about myself and tell some of your own things. Hop in there with your stories. Absolutely. Uh, okay. That's fair. I, actually, I had the flip feeling, which was, if somebody always talks about themselves, uh, do I want this friendship? Wait, what's in it for me? So I would be like, eh, I'm good. I'm good here. The idea that someone is not a good storyteller... This is very common, I find. Storytelling is sometimes hard for some people. When this happens to me, what I do is I try and recap. And I find by jumping in and doing a quick recap of the story so far, that actually sometimes helps get it back on track. So it's like, oh, okay, let me just make sure I got this straight. So you woke up and you had breakfast and now you're at the supermarket buying eggs. Okay, got it. And then, and then that sometimes like gets them more on track for like where we're trying to go with the story. And so that's one way to try and steer it. But yeah, otherwise you're right. Yeah. I I think trying to steer it, you could try to do. And I like what you just said very much. Um, (laughs) Sometimes I'll even say when we get so far off track, but I want to know what happened to the original person we were talking to. So I'll be like, but what happened to Sandy? You know what I mean? Oh, you you want to follow all the other threads that yeah, we dropped. Yeah, I'll be like, what happened to the main thread? I think it's possible to, you can do that to like, as you were saying, steer the story. But I don't think that there's a polite way to tell people, get to the end of this. Where, where's the end yes. coming? Uh, yeah. Is there a way? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, there is a way. It's not polite. <laughs> That's true. Yes. You just got to tough it out. But- I guess this is not like at a cocktail party where you can excuse yourself to refresh your drink, though. 
This is like we're on a park bench with a friend who's talking about their day. But they've already said they don't hang out with this person much anymore. Yeah, that's your best option. Yeah. Just avoid avoid getting yourself in the situation in the first place. I think the thing is you don't like this person is what this is. They you, you, <laughs> You're telling us you don't hang out with them anymore. They always talk about themselves and you hate the way they tell stories. I think you just yeah. have to be like, maybe I actually just don't like this person. Yeah, there's not a lot to hang your hat on here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So... That's it. Yeah. Just cut them loose. Because I don't think you can say, when are you going to get to the end of this story? <laughs> yes. Can we get to the denouement already? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it. But just to recap, a good story has a beginning, <laughs> middle, and end. There needs to be an arc. We have to have some tension. There needs to be a climax and then a resolution. So just make sure all your stories have all those elements and we'll be okay. I also love watching people tell stories. I don't have... You want to get to the point in five years? I'm, I'm coming along with you. But I do want to know what happened to Sandy. I'm going to go back and be like, what happened? I need some closure what, on... What milk did she buy? Yeah, I need to know all of it. I love it. 2%? 1%? Whole milk? Does she go to an almond sometimes? Oat? Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> do you have stories for us with lots of detail? Send them to us. You can send them to us on our website, where you raised by wolves.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message, 267-CALL-RBW. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wilde. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wilde. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.